the NBA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast. Nargos are win bet. Win bet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. From Busa Parlays to in game odds on every major sport, win bet is what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $500 risk free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app. To buy and sell sports bets, use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up at underdogfantasy.com with promo code SGPN and receive a free $25 entry to use in Best Ball Mania 2 for a chance to win $1 million. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app in the App Store or Google Play Store today. And welcome, everyone, to a Monday night edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. This is your host, ZB. We're coming at you guys Monday night, 9.15 p.m. on the East Coast. Great to be back. Summer League going on. Just excited for another edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast. Joined tonight by Dan Titus. Dan, how are you, bro? Doing great, ZB. Started my first day at the new job, man, but I'm still hyped to talk talk hoops with you guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, the NBA season just got finished in terms of like the summer league. And I know we got the championship game coming up, but I think we saw a lot of rising stars and some really good teams come out and play well. So I'm excited for a lot of the teams that weren't really expected to do well, seem to have some really nice development programs. So I know we'll chat about that and, and some more. Yes, sir. Also joined as always the hardest working man in the sports betting contest content industry. So excited. Can't even talk. We got moon off moon off. How are you, bro? I'm doing well, man. Uh, Zach, you're starting to feel like that distant relative. Uh, you, you only see like once a year now because NBA season's over. I know me and Dan have the prop cast show, but uh, <laughs> it, it's weird because we usually almost talk like three, four times a week. But uh, glad to be on with you guys as usual, man. Yeah, hundred percent, Moon. Up, I miss you, bro. You know, not not to get not to get emotional, start off the show. Um, no, of course, you know, great to be back with you guys, and we'll have yeah some more casual shows throughout the off season. Um, you know, talking about where some teams are at, looking into some off season odds, and then getting ready to preview for next season because you know these things, as always, come up on you faster than you think. But right now, uh, summer league is in full swing, winding down. Honestly, uh, we do have a championship game. It's going to be. The Kings versus the Celtics um, in the championship game. Do we know when that game is taking place, Munaf? It's tomorrow night, I believe, at uh, 9 Eastern or 8 Eastern. Uh, let me double check. Uh, yeah, I know it's tomorrow night for sure, but I'm just trying to confirm my time here. Let's see. Um, 8 o'clock. So, yeah, 9 o'clock uh, Eastern time. Yeah, so 9 o'clock Eastern time tomorrow, Tuesday night. Um, and I think they used to have more of a tournament-style play, and now they're going just a straight championship game based on performance in the regular season. Obviously, um, these two teams playing well, coming in with the storyline. Did you guys see Chimeze Metu uh, throwing yeah. hands? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, his team comes in. But spread here at two and a half. Uh, Munaf, you, you you were the one who saw us. I mean, early thoughts on this game and how these two teams have been playing uh, – coming up into this championship game? Yeah, man, the Celtics have just been absolutely crushing it, man. Offensively, I think they, they're they leading in most of the offensive categories, uh, points per game, shooting. Um, and this roster is obviously just stacked with so many good players. They're calling it their, their, the super team of, uh, of the uh, NBA Summer League because it's mostly the role players or the bench players that are going to be playing for Boston. You know, we have Aaron Neesmith. Payne Pritchard, um, Romeo Langford, Carson Edwards. So this team is stacked, man. They, they're knocking down three-point shots. Um, uh, you know, Sacramento, on the other hand, with Davion Mitchell there and some of the other guys that they have, uh, this is going to be a good final. Um, you know, but Celtics have been absolutely crushing it. Their, their shooting has just been just so good throughout the summer league. Yeah, and they're coming in 4-0 and with a summer league high 21-point uh, differential. Um, yeah. You know, and I think that actually is how they came into this game. Uh, Timberwolves came in, se- uh, the Kings came in second, Timberwolves following up in third. 
spread here at two and a half. Dan, anything you see from either of these two teams that gives you a lean here? I mean, this is as big of an NBA game as you're going to get in August. Uh, hopefully, we don't have to do another COVID bubble. So, um, you know, we would definitely will be uh, throwing down some bets on this game in the SGPN Slack. Yeah, for sure. And 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 my regards to anyone that took my advice on the New Orleans Pelicans being dog shit because they came out and actually were one of the better surprises of the the summer league. Shouts to Trey Murphy who played outstanding, did a great job yesterday. I watched them play in the uh, in their final game. You know, if they won by a margin, I believe of eleven, they would have had a chance to play in the championship, but they didn't. They didn't quite get there. But uh, that team really surprised. But yeah, in terms of this game. I can't go against the Boston Celtics here with that 21 point margin. You know, the Sacramento Kings were next in line to that with 13 and a half margin of victory. And this squad is just too deep, man. Peyton Pritchard's leading the way. They got Carson Edwards. Who's just been bombing away. Aaron Neesmith. I mean, Munaf already went, went down the list of all the stellar players that they have. Really. They're just solid bench players that all have NBA experience that got some time last year on the Celtics squad. So you know, I think they're just in a great position to to take home this trophy here. They've been playing outstanding. And, uh, yeah, I don't think there's any reason to go against them as the favorite here at two and a half points. Yeah, definitely more, uh, you know, overall NBA talent on this Celtics team who have gone over 100 points in their last three games. On the flip side, the Kings kind of coming in much more as a defensive team, held all of their opponents in Vegas to 75 points or less. Uh, so you are going to see kind of a clash of styles here. Very interesting for summer league, which is kind of known more as like a individual scorer type uh, type of uh, environment. You see the, the Sacramento Kings kind of really bought on the defensive end, obviously led by Davion Mitchell. He's been rock solid on the perimeter. So it will be interesting to see he see his minutes against Pritchard and Carson Edwards, you know, legit NBA guards getting that first look at Davion Mitchell in that scenario. I think I would go with the Celtics as well. I mean, I think you guys have brought this up. They've been playing a lot more like a veteran group than a summer league team based on the, the, the composition of this roster. Uh, that, I mean, 55 assists in their last two games, um, including a 33-assist game. I mean, that's wild for summer league. Of course, I'm here breaking down the X's and O's. Uh, you know, can't get enough for, <laughs> for the summer league championship. I think I would go with the Celtics as well. Any thoughts on this total here? Um, not Muna, what do, you, what do you got for the total in this game? Yeah, I think like you mentioned, Zach, that's going to be a, a clash of uh, two different styles, right? Like you mentioned, Sacramento with a defensive mindset and just the pure shooters that the Boston Celtics have and how well their offense has been playing in the summer league. Um, I think it's really going to come down to, I mean, it kind of sounds stupid, but if, if Celtics are going to make their shots, I think this game is going to go over. Um, I mean, just just a pure, I mean, a guy that we haven't talked about, Sam Hauser, has just been so good. Yep. For the Boston Celtics, he's been shooting lights out. Um, you know, just, we talked about all the shooters. I think one thing to keep in mind um, is we're not sure if Peyton Pritchard is going to play in this game. He did send out a tweet that he was going back to Vegas for the championship game, but the coaching staff hasn't made the decision if it makes sense for him to play or not in this game. So uh, look out for that news tomorrow. I think that's an important information because Peyton Pritchard has probably been one of the best, if not the best player in the summer league. But uh, I'll lean towards the over. Um, like you mentioned, Zach, that the summer league is not really known for um, for defense. It's more about offense and making shots. So I'll, I'm gonna I'll, I'll lean with the over here, but I do love the Boston Celtics smart to win this championship in the summer league tomorrow. Yeah, and Peyton, Peyton Pritchard, I believe, left the bubble to put up a 92 point scoring performance. Just a it, casual 92. <laughs> yeah, just, casual. Just, just a casual 92 uh, in the Portland program, which is where he's from. So I'm sure that game was important to him. But yeah, I mean. Definitely wasn't taking the day off, you know, just dropping a casual 92. Hopefully he's allowed to play in this game. That's that's a great point. I mean, you know, get your beat writer following uh, for the Celtics in, in order if you're betting this game because that's, the, you know, probably the best player on the floor up yeah. in the air for tomorrow. Dan, any final thoughts on the Summer League Championship game? Uh, no other thoughts on the game, but I thought I, en I enjoyed the Summer League overall, man. I wish I was able to, to get out there, but hopefully next year – uh, can can actually make that journey. But, uh, yeah, it was great seeing a lot of the rookies. You know, I was very impressed by Tyrese Maxey. He only played two games. Cam Thomas of the Brooklyn Nets was just an assassin from from the field, man. And, uh, you know, I just think it was, it was great overall. So I know we can talk about it a little bit later, but I think a lot of these, you know, rookies as well as second-year second players probably earned a spot in the rotation from their performances this summer. Yeah, uh, Munaf, any top standouts for you in terms of young talent coming up in the league? 
I think one guy that second round, the uh, national player of the year, Luca Garza, he's been really good. I mean, he's really, he's slimmed down about 25 pounds. Yeah. Actually watching the game right now um, between him, uh, them and the magic. Um, he's been really good. I know they just signed him to a two-year deal. I believe, I think that news came down today. He's been really good. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, like we talked about on Boston and then, you know, some of the top draft picks, I think Jalen green had looked pretty good before they held him out with a, with a hamstring issue. Uh, Jalen Suggs. I was really surprised to see how well of a rebounder Jalen Suggs is, especially on defense. He's been, he was really outstanding for, um, for, for the Orlando magic. So, you know, there's a lot of young talent, uh, in these summer leagues and it's nice to see some of these guys getting these, these, uh, these, you know, contracts for their, their respective teams. Yeah. Uh, moving up. I'm glad you're finally starting to buy into Pistons culture. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so you know Luca Garza coming up, and I know I know you're watching a uh, Pistons Magic summer league game. So yeah. you know, I guess the Motor City, uh, the Motor City Mafia is alive and well. Dan, a- any individual st- uh, shout outs that you wanted to give uh, before we move on from summer league here? Yeah, my boy Omer, you're seven, man. I think he he got into summer league. He didn't play the initial game after coming out of California, the California Classic, but he wound up turning in twenty points eight rebounds. So like real solid. I think this guy's going to be a nice little bench piece for the, the Miami heat. Also Jalen Johnson was, I, I was very surprised at how good he is. Like, it looks like they got another great one to back up John Collins there for the future. And uh, lastly, Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly. I think that they both played really well. I think that the late, that the, the Knicks also got a nice one in Deuce McBride. I was really surprised at the, the, the Knicks, what they did in there in terms of de- building out their development. Cause I think that they're going to definitely have some assets for the future, which is great to see uh, for that, for that unit. Yeah. Dan, you stole those words out, out of my mouth. I mean, McBride Grimes top and quickly all looking really good. And that does put the Knicks at, you know, more of an interesting crossroads here. We are going to get to an Atlantic divisional down low at the end of this show. So we'll definitely have that conversation when we come to it. Also want to shout out Bones Highland for the Nuggets. Great story individually coming out of Wilmington, Delaware, and, you know, just a natural score. So with that, let's take a quick break. Then we're going to come back and get some uh, free agency catch-up with some news gone down. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting, casino play, exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get into all your favorite teams, players, and sports. From NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Create promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. And for boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, we have what you need to win ready to play. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free, $500 sports bet. Download BetWin. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. We're also brought to you by ProSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Football season is about to kick off, and ProSwap is here to make this your best season ever. With ProSwap, your bet does not need to win in order to make money. It just needs to improve. For example, last year, the Buffalo Bills were 35-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. After they reached the AFC Championship game, a ProSwap customer who bet $100 on the Bills before the season sold that ticket for $900. That was an 800% return for the seller on a ticket that ended up losing, guys. Think of ProSwap like the stock market, but for sports betting, you buy low, you sell high. The average seller on ProSwap makes over $500 per month just listing and selling tickets. And when making your bets, remember to go for two, make two tickets on the same team so you can sell one for a profit and keep one to lease yourself some skin in the game. Get started today by going to ProSwap.com or download the ProSwap app. ProSwap is where America buys and sells sports bets. All right, coming back off the break, biggest news of the last couple of weeks, Kawhi Leonard re-signs in L.A., coming back on a three-plus-one deal. Um, kind of an interesting standoff there. Potentially was going to see other other teams um, maybe look to leave Clippers. Now comes back on this three-plus-one. Munaf, your thoughts on that extension and kind of how that whole process went down. Kawhi always you know, has to make it somewhat weird. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds kind of crazy for me to say, but it, sometimes I feel like that if I was a GM, I don't want part of Kawhi Leonard. I mean, he is a top five player in this league, but just all that extra baggage that kind of comes with Kawhi Leonard, it, it, it might, you know, it takes a toll on the team chemistry and things like that. And he's not a vocal leader, right? He's not like a LeBron James. He's not like, you know, Kevin Durant or even Russell Westbrook, the guys that are leaders on their teams. Um, he's just kind of that, that, 
you know, one of the best players in the league, but I don't think there was a doubt that he was going to resign with the Clippers, right? All along when he was with Toronto, we kind of knew that he's, he wanted to go back home to LA, whether that was going to be with the Lakers or the Clippers. Um, we knew that he was going to end up there, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it made a lot of sense for him to kind of get this extension, secure money for himself. And then, um, you know, be back with the Clippers and contending for a title. So I uh, wasn't surprised, but um Again, I don't know, guys, what you think about Kawhi Leonard and all the baggage that comes with him, but it, it just seems like it can take a toll on, on the locker room and, and, and with team chemistry. Yeah, Dan, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I would say that, you know, I don't think it's a surprise that he read up, much like Munaf said. I think he's had his, set, his eyes set on staying in L.A. for a while now. He got pretty much everything that he wanted in terms of roster construction, you know, all the different you know, things that they did to accommodate his requests in terms of like having his family around and his, and his folks and all that stuff. But in terms of basketball, I still think that he's a, he's one of the top five players in the league. If you know, you're in playoff time and before he blew up, before he tore his ACL, he was having a great playoff run. The man was unstoppable averaging over 30 points a game. So you know what he brings to the table. Yeah. You got to deal with some of the, the dramatics and the the divaness, but honestly, I think everybody, every superstar, kind of has some element of that. Minus like Giannis, I think he's probably the one guy I would say that puts it all out there every every night and usually comes with very little drama. But I think it's worth it um, ultimately because you got a guy who's been Defensive Player of the Year. He's a two time Finals MVP. You, you don't just find those you don't find those players everywhere. So I think that the the Clippers are rightfully so building around their franchise player. Only question is how bad are his knees at this point? You know, yep. he's had quite a few injuries and those things are starting to mount. So if we're gonna get a Joel Embiid situation where this guy's literally gonna play, you know, take a quarter of the season off again for load management, you got to have a really strong core around you to be able to make sure you're getting a decent playoff spot and actually make a run when it matters most. So I think I'd be most concerned about the health concerns, but you know, I'm not expecting him to play this season. If he does, he'll come back super late, but looking at the the Clippers moves and we'll talk about it, you know, Eric Bledsoe's back in the fold. Now they signed justice Winslow. I don't know that they have enough right now to, even make a serious run at a championship without him right now. So I think that they're just going to take the year, you know, play with let Paul George run the, run the squad for a little bit, but then play for the following season. I could, I completely forgot that Eric Bledsoe is a former Clipper. Um, so him going back there, <laughs> that's just honestly yeah. funny. Justice Winslow in the mix now too. I mean, this is like you said, Dan, this is kind of like a weird team right now, especially without Kawhi. Um, and it, I think this, this deal kind of just shows as well, like, how fleeting every single year in the NBA is. And, and one injury can change everything on the, on the job of a dime. You know, for the Clippers, they have the bubble, like COVID the first year, get upset by Denver this year. This is a team that I think all of us kind of thought had a pretty good shot at going to the finals. I know I had them, you know, making it to the finals and everything kind of cleared out for them as well. Like they, you know, basically were maybe this knee injury away from getting there. Now another year is probably gone. Um, this is three years since this that team where, you know, Shea Gildas Alexander and Doc Rivers leading his ragtag group and all, all this future flexibility that cashed in and it hasn't really worked so far. Although, you know, a couple bounces go the other way, it could. So, you know, same thing with Brooklyn. Like everyone says, you know, they, they should have won last year if not for injuries, but, you know, that's not going to count in the record books. Dan, you brought up that trade. I mean, Patrick Beverly goes to Memphis um, as, as long, along with Rajon Rondo. Can't really see them factoring into their future much. So maybe look for those guys to get moved. Um, and Bledsoe coming in the Clippers is interesting. Uh, obviously, the concern will be, as always, uh, how, how much can he shoot off the catch. Um, but interesting uh, times for the Clippers. Did you guys have any takeaways from that uh, Bledsoe-Pat uh, Bev deal that you want to get off chest? Yeah, I think it's concerning to be honest, man. Like, you don't. Eric Bledsoe's a really good defender, but at this point, the NBA is around shooters, and like Pat Bev at least is going to pull it. I'd feel more confident in him doing that. He kind of lost his cool in the playoffs, obviously shoving Chris Paul in the back, and you know maybe he was the last, the last bit of that Trez Lou Will era yeah. of like the of that Clippers brand of basketball, but. I can't help but they lost a shit ton of leadership out of that locker room when they shipped when they shipped Rondo and uh 
and Pat Bev out of there. And also their grit, right? Like they still got a Morris twin, which is great, but I don't know. Eric Bledsoe is cool and all, but I, I don't. Th I think we all know like what Eric Bledsoe kind of brings, and if he can be the, I don't know the the stopping the the intermediary to a to a new era in in, in Los Angeles, maybe, but I doubt it. You know, I mean, this is like just kind of like a off the books move. Like I think it's a good move for Memphis. They rid themselves of a bad contract. Probably going to buy out Rajon Rondo and Pat Bev. You know, rock with their squad. They did lose Grayson Allen in the off season. Um, which I think actually is a great pickup for the Milwaukee Bucks, but um, yeah. but overall, yeah, I think that this is a pretty much a nothing burger in terms of what what happens for Memphis. They just got rid of the contracts and then they're going to proceed on. But the Clippers, I don't I don't know what Eric Bledsoe really does for that future of that franchise. It's not a game changer by any means. Yeah, great great quote from Dan there, quote unquote. Eric Bledsoe is cool and all. Um, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, that was pretty fucking funny. <laughs> Moonaf, um, you think anything of this trade? I mean, I, I you know, I think the Clippers kind of probably not going to affect their bottom line much in terms of win total or anything like that. And obviously, kind of a wash for Memphis. But yep. what do you think of it? Yeah, I think this was more of a move for the Clippers to you know get rid of some contracts, right? I think the what I saw from uh, Bobby Marks was that they got them they saved thirty million off their tax bill. It went from one hundred twenty-five million down to ninety-five, and also created a I think eight point three million dollar trade exception that they can use throughout the season or at the trade deadline or whenever that may be. But um, kind of going back to Kawhi, you know, uh, I, I, we we kind of have to mention that he's missed one hundred fifty games over the last four seasons. Right. He hasn't played more than he's played more than 60 games once. And, you know, I, I'm, I mean, we've we've dogged on Eric Bledsoe a lot on our podcast. And maybe I mean, he him going back to L.A. kind of has that Reggie Jackson effect where Reggie Jackson in the playoffs last year was really good for the L.A. Clippers. Maybe it has that type of effect, but I'm not sure. I mean, I, I got to see it before I can buy into Eric Bledsoe again. I mean. This is his third team, I believe, in two years. He went from the Milwaukee Bucks to the Pelicans and now to the Clippers. So, again, like Zach, you mentioned, it was a contract for them to get off the books. And what just what Dan said is that for the Memphis Grizzlies, I'll, I'll be surprised to see any three of those guys on this roster uh, come when the season starts because they do already have a do uh, have a log jam at that guard position for the Memphis Grizzlies. So, um, kind of a head scratch for a lot of people, but um, you know, if you kind of look at where the contracts are moving and expiring contract that Memphis do have, that they'll have some cap flexibility at the end of the next season. Um, they're in a prime position because I think Triple J is up for up for an extension, and some of the other other guys on that roster up for extensions. And again, you still have John Morant that you're going to have to pay eventually. So, um, you know, I guess. And it, it's kind of a meh trade for me. Yeah, definitely a meh trade. I mean, you, you raise a good point about Kawhi there. The injuries have been, you know, getting piling up on one another, a lot of missed time. And you also have those flashes where it's like, you know, in that series against Dallas, looking like a top two or three player in the NBA, um, you know, maybe even the best player in the NBA. But it's also so fleeting because, you know, of the injury concerns and now likely to miss another season with that, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and uh, start this divisional down low with the Boston Celtics, who have made some moves recently. Tonight's episode is also brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. The summer of soccer continues on Paramount+. Plus. Stream over 2,000 soccer matches a year from around the world. It's all the heart-pounding drama from CBS Sports, including UEFA Champions League, Europa League, Italy's Serie A, Argentina's Primera Division, the Brasiliario, NWSL, the Asian Football Confederation, and the CONCACAF qualifiers. Featuring the stars from the U.S. and Mexican men's national teams, plus much more. It's the best of the beautiful game with all the beautiful names like Messi, Mbappe, Ronaldo, Rapino, and Pulisic. Be part of the excitement as champions are crowned and history is made. The world's game lives here on Paramount+. Plus. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Make sure to head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a free $25. Right, sign up now for a free shot at $1 million. So download the app and sign up at underdogfantasy.com. Promo code SGPN. Last but not least, the SGPN app is now live in the App Store and Google Play Store. The app gives you easy access to all our picks and podcasts. And don't forget to toss an app review and download the SGPN app today. All right, coming back off the break, we're going to hop into this Atlantic division, kind of give you guys you know, some thoughts on the state of where these teams are at, starting with the, uh, the Atlantic here. And we'll start with the Boston Celtics, who had a pretty busy past week or so, bring in Dennis Schroeder, and then now tonight, 
we uh, hear word that they are re-signing Marcus Smart to a four-year, $77 million contract extension for Marcus Smart to stay in Boston. Um, Munaf, what do you think of these two moves here for the Celtics? Yeah, I mean, are we going to talk about how Schroeder kind of shot himself in the foot, man? I mean, he had the contract offer on the table from the LA Lakers. I think it was like, what, four years, around $80, $84 million. And now you go to a Boston team where you're only getting paid $5.9 million. I mean, I would fire – I if, if if whoever Dan Schroeder's agent is, he needs to be fired because, I mean, this – this. How, how can you sleep at night? I mean, it's still $5.9 million, but compare that to $84 million, that's It's, it's tough. Yeah, it's, it's real tough. But um, it makes a lot of sense, right, because we talked about last season that Boston needed to kind of address their point guard position. You have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown on this team. Kimmel Walker wasn't really the answer for them because he was dealing with a knee issue um, all throughout the season. Um, and now you bring in Dennis Schroeder and you re-sign Marcus Smart. I think now is a time for Marcus Smart to really embrace that role of being the third guy on this team. You know, he's a great two-way guy. I think he kind of need to work on his offensive game a little bit more. Um, but you do have, again, Dennis Schroeder, who is a guy that can get you, you know, anywhere from 17, 18, maybe even 20 points a night. So um, they did a good job, I guess, of addressing that point card position. But um, I'm still not sure if I'm sold on this Boston Celtics team going into next season. Yeah, and obviously kind of a disappointing season for them last year, you know, coming off, uh, like, you know, we say, you know, basically being a favorite to make the finals against Mm -hmm. Miami Heat, come out with kind of a disappointing season, end up as a seven seed, you know, go get Fournier, doesn't really work, Um, and then obviously lose to the Nets in the first round. I mean, Dan, what would you think of last season for Boston and to any of their moves this summer or just Jason Tatum make a leap, like, where do you see them going into next year in terms of the hierarchy of Eastern Conference contenders? Yeah, first point, I think that this is going to be the, the first season where we really see Jason Tatum go off. I think him and Jalen Brown are going to have really good seasons now that they're the focal points with Kemba Walker kind of out of the way. I think we could give the dummy of the year to Dennis Schroeder, man. I mean, this guy completely fumbled the bag. And even if he's playing on a one-year contract to potentially get some more money next year, like, dude just missed out on a ton of bread. So between him and P.J. Washington and, you know what I'm saying, his decision to wife up Brittany Renner, who's just, <laughs> goddamn, dude. Man is indebted to this chick for 18 years now. Like, <laughs> the worst, the worst decisions possible. I also saw on Twitter that, uh, somebody said that Eric Bledsoe is getting passed around more than Brittany, Brittany Renner. I thought that was pretty good. Um, but now going back to the Celtics squad, man, I think that they actually made some pretty good moves in the offseason. They got Al Horford back. I think that that was one of the biggest pieces that they were missing in the front court was someone that can actually play some damn defense. Pair him up with, with Time Lord. I think that you actually have a pretty decent front court there. And then they also went out and grabbed Josh Richardson, who definitely didn't play very well for the Dallas Mavericks last year, but he at least gives you some ability to play defense as well as stretch the floor. And, um, you know, a couple of that with Dennis Schroeder, who can get a bucket. I think this team is actually shaping out a little bit better on paper than they were last season, really because they needed to address that front court. And they also got some guard play help because they really didn't get much out of Kemba Walker last year. Ledoux was playing on one leg, you know, rehabilitating his knee. Didn't really show up until January, February. I think you're getting a healthy Marcus Smart. He got a really favorable favorable deal. That guy must love Brad Stevens because to come back on four years, $77 million, that's a that's a steal bargain uh, for yeah. what he brings to the table. So, you know, I think that the Boston Celtics will probably be better, but this still isn't a championship roster by any means. I think that their window might have closed for that, but they're definitely going to be they're going to be a competitive team. I'm expecting them to put, you know, much of the the offense around Tatum and, and Jalen Brown, and obviously they have a new coach in Ime Udoka. So curious to see how they how it pans out. But the the Atlantic Division is definitely going to be interesting with Boston changing up their their operations a little bit, getting some new faces, and probably a, a more versatile system that, that plays more balanced basketball. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like a lot of options for this team, a lot of flexibility. Uh, you have Pritchard kind of throwing himself into the mix as a guy who might command some playing time. Josh Richardson's a guy who might – you know, might be a good option to close games for them. I think like they have to kind of figure out their identity. I feel like around Jalen and Jason, you know, they didn't really do that, uh, do a great job of that this year. Never really made it work with Kemba either. 
Um, you know, and it's interesting. Like, I think we, we haven't really seen like these two wing teams kind of figure out like exactly how they want to play it, for the, for the Clippers. I mean, I think Kawhi and Paul George started to kind of put it together uh, later in, in the playoffs for them before Kawhi got hurt. And then obviously Paul George exploded without him, but you know, how do Jalen and Jason really fit together as the alphas going forward? Like it seems that they're trying to build around them. Marcus Smart, I think he's obviously a, a key component to any winning team. So I like his addition. Horford as that shooting big, you know, hopefully he can rejuvenate his career. You know, he played pretty well last year at times in OKC. Um, but it, it will be kind of interesting to see how, how things come together for them. Um, I mean, what do, who do we think is going to close games for this team? Is it, is it Smart, Schroeder, or, uh, you know, they have a lot of options. Yeah, they have tons of options. I think they, you know, they also got a good, pretty good backup center. I mean, they also got Cantor back via free agency, yeah. right? So I think that's a pretty good backup uh, uh, for the bench. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I know they traded for Moses Brown, and I think they sent him off in that Josh Richardson trade to, um, to Dallas. I'm not sure. I would have probably hung on to him because you know Dan really pointed him out last season where this guy was getting double doubles like it was nothing because he's assessed great length. But I, I think, you know, going back to your question, Dan closing, obviously you're going to have your two superstars with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Uh, I think you have to throw Al Hortford in there, probably Dennis Schroeder to give you another ball handler. And it got to be Marcus smart, right? I mean, it's a kind of a small lineup, but I mean, those are probably your best players that you probably want on the floor in, in the clutch minutes. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to kind of see where Pritchard fits into that. I think he's someone that could be pretty good for them. Yeah, uh, And Josh Richardson, I mean, he obviously looked like a kind of a budding superstar. Not a superstar, but a, a star, a high-quality role player in Miami and then has kind of, <laughs> uh, you know, fizzled out in his next couple stops. Let's keep the train moving here. The Brooklyn Nets, pretty quiet offseason. Uh, you know, bring in Patty Mills as, a, as their big fish, and I think he's going to be a great fit for them offensively also bring back Blake Griffin bring back Bruce Brown uh do lose Jeff Green but most of the same guys are back uh James Johnson someone who could come in and, and give some minutes for Giannis so you know this is probably one of the more simple teams to cut, talk about I mean it seems like last year a championship favorite if not for injury is there any reason to change that going into next season Moonoff? I don't think so. I mean, uh, I think that Patty Mills move is so underrated, man. I just really love that move because this guy is, is a bona fide veteran, a championship pedigree. I mean, it's just going to be so good for the Brooklyn Nets uh, coming off that bench. Um, I mean, when you have your big three stars with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, um, health is going to be the biggest thing for this team because if you have those three guys on the floor at any given time or any given night, especially in the playoffs, you're always going to have a chance to win again. I think for the Brooklyn Nets, one thing that they will have to work on this offseason is going to be defending. You know, I think offensively, there's nothing to worry about, but Steve Nash is going to have to kind of put together a game plan, and they're really, really going to have to commit on the defensive end of the basketball. Yeah, Dan, are, are you as high on Brooklyn going into this year? I mean, that's the biggest question I think Munaf just posed right there is what are they going to do about defense? Because their offense is unstoppable. Patty Mills... I mean, I think I wouldn't be surprised if Cam Thomas sneaks his way into the rotation. Mike James, you know, he was the one that was going toe-to-toe at that pro-am with, with Peyton Pritchard, dropped like 63 points. So, I mean, this bench has microwave buckets all over it, but I just don't know who's going to be playing defense. Blake Griffin, he played with a lot of heart last year, but I'm wondering if he can put that through for a full season. You get DeAndre Jordan back, who can't really guard the pick and roll. The guy's a shell of himself defensively. And then you lose. I think it's underrated that they lost Jeff Green. I mean, he was a really good stretch four for them offensively and defensively. So, you know, you pick up DeAndre Brembry. To me, that's a whatever pickup. You know, Bruce Brown was getting a lot of minutes at that 3-4 range. He's an excellent rebounder for his size. But I don't know. This team is the odds-on favorite to win the chip, obviously, for the big three that they have. But I have my concerns and my doubts whether this team can stay healthy drama-free for a full season and play defense. I don't know. To me, it seems like the parity around the league, I wouldn't be surprised if the Nets got shocked again or something happened late in the season that prevents them from winning the, from winning the chip. But, you know, all things equal and this team remains healthy, sure, they're going to be putting up an insane amount of points where it's going to be really tough to even, even if their defense is bad, 
um, they'll still be one of the they'll still be one of the best teams in the league, like bar none. It's just you can't stop their their offense. I think for the Nets, I, I think the key focus is probably going to be just it doesn't matter what seed they end up at. That just have your big three healthy at the finish yeah. line for the playoffs. Just have those guys healthy because. In a seven-game series, if all those, all three of your guys are healthy, along with Patty Mills, James Johnson, and the other guys that you mentioned, Dan, it'll be very difficult to beat this team no matter what seed they're at. I mean, I don't think home court what doesn't matter as much in the NBA because we've said time and time again is that the playoff series doesn't start until a road team wins. So um, right. just just have those three guys healthy, and I think that's probably going to be the focus for the Brooklyn Nets uh, throughout the season. Yeah, going back real quick, I feel like this is on James Harden. Because he's yeah. the only one that hasn't proven anything yet in the playoffs, right? Like yeah. at least Kyrie's Kyrie had his moment. You know, Durant's obviously the beast, but it's James Harden that always winds up either getting gassed late in games, getting hurt, whatever. He's like got that Chris Paul thing about him where every James time Harden he gets slander. to the moment, I'm just saying it's his time to show up, though. It's on him now. Everybody else has proved it. it's on him now. I mean, I, I think he proved something playing 46 minutes of a bum hamstring in the playoffs last year. I, I'm obviously a James Harden defender till I die. I think, you know, you guys made some great points there, and it does come down to health. I think in terms of the chemistry issue that you raised, Dan, looked pretty good last year. It'll be interesting to see what happens with these extensions here. It looks like um, some reporting that they're trying to get. They got Kevin Durant extended, trying to get James Harden and Kyrie locked in for the future. Um, so, I think what's great about the the kind of roster tinkering they did is they can probably win a lot of games in the regular season, even with, you know, one of these guys resting every night or two of them resting every night. You know, Patty Mills, a guy who can come in, get buckets. Joe Harris, obviously a lethal regular season player. Cam Thomas, you know, looking like someone who can come in and score. So the offense shouldn't suffer too much, even when they do have, you know, resting and injuries in the regular season. But Obviously, the favorite definitely could be my pick to come out of the Eastern Conference next year. Let's take it to New York across town. I'll start it with this. I mean, do the Knicks make the playoffs next year? Yes or no? Uh, Munaf, we'll start with you. I think so, man. I mean, they're returning pretty much the same roster as last season. Uh, lost a couple of role players that didn't really matter. I mean, I think Reggie Bullock is probably the significant one that they lost to the Dallas Mavericks, but you still added Kimball Walker. You added uh, Evan Fournier, so... Um, again, like I mentioned, when we had talked about these two signings was if you're going to be able to get, to get those two guys to come in on the defensive end, because they were the best defensive, uh, defensive efficient team last season in the entire NBA. That's what kind of led them into the playoffs, right? Um, you get the offensive help now that takes some pressure off of Julius Randall. Uh, you still have Derek Rose on this team. You added, uh, some pretty good pieces, uh, via the draft, but then, you know, you're kind of looking for IQ to take that next step. Oh, we topping to take that next step. So um, the players are certainly there. You have a great head coach with Tibbs. It's just, again, you know, can you sustain what you did on the defensive end last year? And then can you be a little bit better on the offensive end? Because in the playoffs, when we saw them against Atlanta, it was a, it was a little tough for them to score points because they didn't have those playmakers, but you added, like I said, Kimball Walker and Fournier, so that should really help them out. But Fully expect the Knicks to be back in the playoffs next season. Yeah, and I think for my reaction this offseason, I kind of thought about this a lot more as we see the Knicks coming through Summer League, is I, I feel like it's it's tough because you have now kind of an enticing group of young players that you really want to give a lot of minutes to yep. with what Grimes and McBride have shown in Summer League, the strides that Obi Toppin and Amanda quickly have shown those guys are all blocked in this depth chart, you know, by win now veterans. And you combine that with Tom Thibodeau's philosophy of he's going to play his vets as many minutes as they can handle. You know, I think the idea that you're going to hold Julius Randle to 30 minutes so that Obi Toppin can develop behind him. That's not realistic on, you know, with the way that we know Tibbs uh, to kind of handle his, his roster. Um, so I think that's a little bit concerning for me with the Knicks is that yes, you know, I think this team can be good this year and will be good this year. And I, I like, the additions they made in terms of winning games this year, but you also do have this really enticing group of young players who aren't going to be able to play much. And it seems like, you know, their really only hope is to trade these guys. Eventually, you know, I, I think it's unlikely that you're, they're going to be building an organic team of talent in New York, but we do have a, a nice group of young talent that you'd like to see come up in the organization. So 
I think I'm a little bit torn there, um, but I do think that the Knicks, if they do put their pedal to the metal, will be back in the playoff picture for sure. Um, and the question to me is, you know, if they struggle early, like, you know, if, if they hit some bumps in the road and other teams in the East are looking better, do they make moves at the deadline to kind of set themselves back a little bit in terms of now and give these younger guys a chance to shine? Dan, I know you were also impressed by the Knicks' young core at Summer League. I am, and I'll pose a question to you. Do you think that they did enough in the offseason to, be, to, be to repeat as a top-five team in the East? No, I don't think they're a top-five team um, in the East. would be very surprised. I think you're looking more at a play-in, you know, eight, seven, nine type team. Yeah, I tend to agree. And mainly because, like, I get – you got to – I think it is, they made the right move in re-signing Julius Randle, you know, despite him having one of the worst performances in NBA playoff history in terms of efficiency. I mean, he showed enough in the regular season. Maybe he just ran out of gas, but – you know, I, I want to see that next leap from R.J. Barrett. I think he had a really good season in, in comparatively to, you know, his rookie season. Um, so I think the development is there. And, but you're right. That log jam and the guard specifically, I think, is just it's going to take a couple years for them to rid themselves of those veterans to actually give their their future a chance. And uh, I think that those are more so just promising assets that they should hopefully be able to flip to get a veteran. So I think you're spot on there. But I also think that they need some health on their side as well. Mitchell Robinson, they didn't get to see much out of him last season. He needs to stay healthy for this team to be a serious threat in the East. And, you know, while you have Derrick Rose back for another year, I think he played outside of his mind. It's a great story. But ultimately, I think that this this next season is really going to be, is Evan Fournier real? Because you paid him a shit ton of money. A decent deal, right? But, like, essentially, that's the same money that Marcus Smart just got pretty much. And I would yeah. take Marcus Smart's money over Evan Fournier's any day of the week, but hopefully he can parlay that into a more confident season. Unlike what he just did for the, the Boston Celtics of the, the second half of the season. Um, but yeah, ultimately I think the Knicks are a playoff team. I just don't think that they're going to be, I think they're going to be in this purgatory of fringe. They're going to be a playoff team. That's going to get a mid round draft pick for the next three years until they figure out how to get another superstar uh, to pair in in New York that won't have Julius Randle being the focal point of the offense. And shots yeah, to mean, Kemba Walker. Still... That's that's a good pickup too. Yeah, Kemba G. Walker going to be good. Um, and I, you 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 look at this uh, this death chart. I mean, McBride and Grimes just straight up aren't going to play, and yeah, quickly yeah. is going to be like eighteen minutes, and Toppin's going to be like sixteen minutes. So you know, it'll be interesting to see if they do end up you know, making any deals out of the season. And with regard to the Fournier, Marcus Smart, I mean, Munaf and I talked about this, I think, last week. Like, it's very interesting. Basically, every single second-tier shooting guard got somewhere between, like, 17 and 20 million. That market kind of got pretty defined. Um, so, Marcus Smart, I guess, coming in slightly above that. Dan, let's think of the year team, which is Philly. Um, yeah. Kind of quiet around there these days and, and waiting to <laughs> Dan, obviously, you know, the second I say Philly, kind of a, a look of, uh, you know, I don't, I don't even know what the look was. Dan, what are, what feeling, you know, comes to mind when you think about the Sixers team and they're kind of in a little bit of purgatory right now uh, with the Ben Simmons question looming over, you know, what's going on with this franchise? I think you, you said it best, man. It's been awfully quiet, eerily quiet, disgustingly quiet. I'm fucking pissed, man. Like, what What are we doing? We're sitting here just watching by. We re-signed Danny Green. I think that that was probably the most productive thing that happened this offseason. Uh, I got to go into the bag of how much I hated Andre Drummond in the offseason last year, or last season, and now he's on my squad. Awesome. Great. Get to watch his shitty brand of ball. I mean, is he better than Dwight Howard? <laughs> It's like comparable, but like I don't want either one of them. Like I'd rather rock with Paul Reed at this point after what he just did in the summer league. Like, yeah, it's the summer league, but like I saw upside with this guy. He got steals, he got blocks, he's got handles, he's aggressive on the rebounds. Like, I'd rather invest in that than this. We know what Andre Drummond is. He's a fucking bum. Um and then we go back to Ben Simmons. You know, he's just holding us hostage at this point. And I think Daryl Morey is a little bit 
he's trying to maximize his value, but like at this point, I don't know what the trade value is. It's definitely not four first round picks, Wiggins and Wiseman. So at some point, he's going to have to snap back to reality and get us whatever we can. What I will say is I'm really hyped on our future. I think Jaden Springer was a really good pick. He's got a lot of upside. He's 18 years old. He's got to develop his shooting like every other draft pick that the Sixers have picked in the last like probably decade. Um, but I think that there's promise there as well as Tyrese Maxey. I think he really showed that he did not belong in the summer league, which I think is a great point uh, for the future. But ultimately, the window is closing for the Sixers, man. Like you're wasting at this point. You got to do something drastic to get something out of Joel Embiid's prime. And he's not going to play every game, probably going to miss a quarter to half of the season every year because of his weight, injuries, whatever combination of that. Seth Curry is a great player to have alongside him with some other pieces, but you got to get a Dame. This is Dame or bust for the Sixers to me. And if they don't get anything like that, they're just going to be where the Knicks are. Middle tier to bottom tier playoff team that's going to get a mid-round selection and disappoint from here on out. So... I don't see much promise in the Sixers right now based off the moves and the lack of moves that they've made. Anytime you get Deon, uh, Andre Drummond on your squad, you're almost committing to a losing season at this point. <laughs> prove, me, prove me otherwise. How many winning seasons has Andre Drummond had? I'll wait. I, know, I, I, think he, I think he made the playoffs with the Pistons. I know. I, all we need now is for uh, Will Barton to get traded to the Rockets and then, you know, <laughs> oh, just no, let, no. You got, let you oh, guys God. out. <laughs> Come full, full circle, man. Full circle. <laughs> Munaf, I mean, the Sixers, look, look, look they, were, they were still right there last year in the thick of things, you know, down the stretch of the regular season. And, and obviously things didn't work out in the playoffs. But Munaf, I mean, are, are you dropping this team below the Miamis, the Atlantas? Um, of the of the conference now, yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't, I don't think they're going to be a top five team in the East next season. I don't think so. I mean, with, with Daryl Morey, I think with with you having Daryl Morey in your organization, he's going to try to nickel and dime everything and anything that he can get for Ben Simmons. And I kind of feel like he's trying to get a trade package, like something of compensation, like he got like the Rockets kind of got, I mean, it almost seems like the Rockets at this point, what they got for Harden didn't seem like much, but now with their, with the draft package or the draft picks that they got, I think Maury probably saw something there, but like Dan said that you're not going to get four first round picks for this guy. I mean, I don't even think he's a top 20 player in the NBA, honestly. Um, yeah, You're going to have to swing for the fences and get a Damian Lillard type of player, because if you don't, how long before Joel Embiid wants to get out of Philly too, right? Because now you're going to start wasting his quote unquote prime years. He's a, he, he's, he's injury prone. I mean, he hasn't played a full season and God knows how long or if ever, but yeah, I think there there's troubling times as, as a Sixers fan in that organization, man. I mean, I love, you know, Seth Curry, he did really well last season for them, but outside of, Joel Embiid, you don't really have much. I think, like Dan said, it's going to have to be a Damian Lillard type of player, but it doesn't seem like Dame is going to leave Portland. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I kind of want to get your opinion, Zach, on what the outlook for this team is. Yeah, I, I was definitely someone who was higher on Ben Simmons' trade value, I think, compared to both of you guys. I, I still you know, think that he... I, I actually thought in the beginning of the offseason that they could convince someone to, you know, pay top dollar for him um, in a trade in terms of the assets. And, but I think now as we see the summer start to go along, obviously Daryl Morey, his his bluff clearly, you know, no, no one's calling it yet or everyone's calling it yet, I guess, um, would, would be the way to say it. You know, he hasn't gotten moved yet. And the issue for the Sixers is that Ben Simmons can't rehabilitate his trade value in the regular season. Like we know he is a very good regular season player and the things that he does well, you know, are at a premium in the regular season and the issues that he presents for you in the playoffs don't really come up and are, you know, nowhere near the magnifying glass in, you know, these regular season games at the beginning of the year, especially before the trade deadline. Like I really think if they want to get Ben Simmons back to that peak value, it's going to have to come from him showing he can participate in the offense, you know, in a playoff game. Um, 
And, and, and they're not going to have the opportunity to show that to kind of get more out of it for a deal for this season, particularly, which is why I think, honestly, their best bet is to try to run it back in some semblance. If you're not going to get a Dame like return, um, you know, whether that's tenable from the locker room perspective, I don't know. But, you know, Ben Simmons is probably better than whatever you're getting back from Ben Simmons, if that makes sense. You know, I, like, I don't think you're going to get a player better than him, maybe, you know, at this point and a future combination of picks, how are you going to sell it to Joel Embiid? You know, obviously Joel Embiid probably holds the cards in these in this franchise right now. He's that good of a player. So it will be interesting to see how it plays out. Look, if they run back to this exact same team, obviously is a bad taste in everyone's mouth, but I still would have them probably, you know, in that top five right there with Miami kind of chasing Brooklyn and Milwaukee, uh, maybe, maybe a little bit above the Hawks. I mean, definitely – think they were rightfully favored in that series against the Hawks last year. And, you know, those two teams, our opinions of them kind of headed in opposite directions. But I don't know. Any other thoughts on the Sixers and, and anything I said there? Yeah, I think those are great points. So bo- both good points on rational points, I should say. I'm obviously a, a bit more. Uh, <laughs> it's obviously closer. To, it's closer to home for me. But uh, very logical points on both your ends. And like, I will say, like, it worst case scenario, I think the running it back scenario probably makes the most realistic sense. And I think you're right. Like, the only way he can build back up that capital is to show that he's he can actually be a part of that offense in the playoffs. But, you know, I, I don't think that this – I think that this team was probably the biggest fraudulent team in the NBA last year. Like, they were the one seed, and I think that that was just fortunate luck. Um, once, we, once it got real, I think that their true card showed, and I think that they can be schemed – now that they've seen what this roster is constructed with, I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be in trouble. Miami is going to be a really good team. I think the Hawks are also going to be coming back. Like they, that was a totally different squad second half of the season under Nate McMillan. So uh, I think that they're going to be in for a rude awakening here. Probably finishing like sixth, seventh in the in the East. Yeah, and obviously, see uh, Moon outside on board with that as well. Last team here in the Atlantic Division to kind of. Take us out for the night. Very interesting team. This team that's kind of seemed to be at a crossroads. Went with a surprising pick in Scotty Barnes um, at number four. And they kind of had this interesting mix, you know, not totally dissimilar from the Knicks of interesting young players and some more veterans. Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, uh, obviously Pascal Siakam, subject of trade rumors now looking like they won't trade him. He's someone who was injured. Um Moonap, we'll start with you. I mean, where are you kind of at with this Raptors team? Do you still hold them in the regard that we held them going into last year where they were a locked playoff team, or are they more of what we saw from them last year where uh, they were, you know, fourth from the bottom of the East? Yeah, I think for me, it's it's really trying to figure out what the identity of the Toronto Raptors is, right? Because we've heard, like you mentioned, with the Pascal Siakam rumors that he was going to be on the trade block with, you know, we heard teams like the Golden State Warriors. I think Portland was another team that was out there that was rumored to get them. Um, but again, what is the identity of this team? Because I don't think they really did anything to address what their main issue was inside in the post, right? I mean, they got, <clears throat> sorry, Precious the Chua yeah. from the Miami Heat in the Kyle Lowry deal. Um, but is he going to be good enough for a big enough man to defend that paint? I think that's, you know, we'll see that in through the season. Um, we picked up Scotty Barnes in the draft. I, and that, that's a really good pickup, uh, obviously. But, um, I mean, they have players on this team, right? Siakam, you have OG Ananobi, you have um, Fred Van Vliet. They have guys on this team that can score. but And you also do have I mean, Gordon Dragic, but we kind of heard on social media that that's not where he wants to be, I guess, or, or whatever the case might be. But I'm still kind of out on this Toronto Raptors team until I actually see it, then put it all together. Obviously, they have a great head coach with Nick Nurse, but um, for me, as we get closer to the season and then throughout the season, I kind of want to see what their identity is and what they want to do because who, who knows, come trade deadline, Seattle could be on the move for uh, you know a team that needs that kind of that second or third score. So, um, you know, that's where I kind of stand with the Toronto Raptors. I'm not sure who they are or what they want to be, but I think maybe getting back to Toronto – on their home court may help them a little bit, but again, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm out coming out. I'm out on this team. Yeah, it, it is tough. They didn't address the center position, you know, with, you know, a, a bona fide starter. You kind of have now Ken Birch, precious Chris Boucher yeah. going to kind of compete for minutes there. No, no really proven option. 
I so I was all in on the Raptors last year. You know, major loser on Raptors win totals, and and now uh, predictably, I'm kind of in on them as as kind of a post hype sleeper. Um, I really like a lot of the names on this team. I mean, like you said, Munaf, you don't really know what they are. Kind of a weird mix of old and – or not even old. Like Pascal Siakam's only 27. OG's only 24. Just feels like they kind of been around a lot in Toronto. Obviously, some deep playoff runs. Um, but just, you know, some of these names, Fred Van Vliet, Malachi Flynn in the backcourt, and then between Trent, Ananobi, Siakam, and Scotty Barnes. I mean, really intriguing group of wings. So, you know, I think – with Nick Nurse, I expect them to put something together. I think they're kind of at a similar level probably to the Knicks in my eyes, you know, a back-end playoff team, um, but one that could go either direction. I mean, we saw them last year opt for the tanking route late in the season. That panned out, uh, but, you know, they were kind of a dual-identity team. When when they were healthy, they were still, you know, booked like a, like, like a quality playoff team in, sort of in terms of the lines, and I, I was getting beat up by that all year. Um, Dan, what did you think of uh, last season for this team and – how do you kind of think of Toronto coming into this year? Yeah, it's hard to really get a gauge of what Toronto is going to be this season when they're actually not having to play, when they're actually having to play in their own arena, you know, their own, their own environment. And obviously the landscape has changed a bit. Their legend in Kyle Lowry, probably the best Toronto Raptors player in their history is gone. So really what's the identity of the team? I think Munaf was spot on with that. And I'm really concerned about the team's height here. I mean, they don't have a player over 6'10 on the squad. So you're rocking with Ken Burch as your center with super light Chris Boucher who could get bodied by, you know, the smallest big men in the league. I think they're really going to have trouble rebounding the ball as well as protected the interior, which, you know, for a playoff team, that's going to be a really difficult thing to match. But their offense, I think you're right, ZB. I think that they do have, a lot of talent within their backcourt and their frontcourt in terms of like uh, OG Ananubi. I'm expecting him to take a leap forward. You know, he showed a lot of promise in, in his per 36 numbers. So I think he's going to get a, an opportunity to get more shots up. You sign, excuse me, Gary Trent to a deal. So I think that he obviously showed that he's a capable shooting guard there to play alongside Fred Van Vliet. Um, and Malachi Flynn and, and Precious Achua both showed out really well in the summer league giving you a little bit of promise that they, you know, the, the young talent that you do have in your system could actually flourish a little bit. I don't see that many of the back end teams in the NFC in the, uh, the Atlantic division kind of competing with them or excuse me, the, the, uh, the uh, Eastern conference, but you know, are we talking about a, a real threat to any of the top three teams in the East? No, but I, I do think that they have a playoff playoff hopefuls for sure. Yeah. I, I can almost guarantee I will be uh giving out on this podcast, you know, some sort of Raptors team total or win total over Raptors to make the playoffs. I, I always find a way to get sucked into these kind of teams. Speaking of summer league, Dan, Luca Garza, like Moon now said, 21 points and 15 rebounds as the Pistons win three straight to close out summer league. Um, so, you know, Moon out stand out putting up big numbers tonight, but any other thoughts on the Atlantic division here? We've, uh, gone on so we'll get out of here but uh any final thoughts you guys want to get off your chest no i think that's all i had i mean um you know kind of looks like the class of the atlantic division is going to be the brooklyn nets and then and i think boston with the moves that they made though i think they'll be competitive but other than that you know we're kind of waiting to see you know with the sixers what they do with ben simmons and then the identity of the toronto raptors and and you know new york if they'll be back and competing at the level that they were last season, but definitely a division that's one of the tougher ones. I mean, if in any given season, if these all these teams are competitive and good, like we've seen in the past, I think this could be probably one of the most difficult divisions in the entire NBA. Yeah, I'm pretty sure all five of these teams are going to be disappointed if they don't make the playoffs. And, you know, for Brooklyn and, and Philly and, and Boston, probably disappointed if they don't make the second round of the playoffs or for Brooklyn, yeah. you know, even deeper than that. Dan, anything else you want to get out? No, I'm good, but I think that uh, Munaf closed that out really well. Um, I do think that, you know, while this division is probably one of the most competitive in the league, um, I think we'll see, you know, it's going to be Brooklyn versus everybody else pretty much, and then I think there's going to be a dog a dog fight between the Knicks, the, the Sixers, probably the Boston Celtics, I project them to come in last in the division, but uh, I think that that Knicks, that Knicks and Philadelphia matchup is going to be really interesting this year. Yes, sir. 
And uh, great show tonight, guys. Uh, we will be back on Thursday with McKee. Uh, we're doing Monday, Thursday on the NBA Gambling Podcast feed. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast if you enjoyed it and listen to all the podcasts on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Also, join us in the Slack channel. That's at sg.pn slash Slack. We'll be having some good uh, discussion of the Summer League Championship game tomorrow. Um, also, we can find our uh, written articles on sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Dan, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, and especially with the uh, new job announcement, I saw I got a lot of uh, love on. Yeah, I still got the softest check mark in the game, but uh, you can find me at Dan Titus <laughs> on Twitter. And uh, yeah, be on the lookout in the next eight to 10 days. I, I saw a tweet from Mark Stein saying that the NBA schedule should be released in the next coming week. So I think wow. we'll actually have some content to provide you on some futures once that uh, once that comes to fruition. But uh, yeah, hit me up on Twitter, man. And Moon up, we're going to be able to find you on Twitter. Yeah, find me on Twitter at SportsNerd824, uh, dropping all my MLB plays, NFL futures. I've dropped some on there. So uh, finding their DMs are always open. I always have guys, you know, asking me about, you know, this, that, or the other. Always happy to help. Whatever it takes to kill the book. So, yeah, reach me out on Twitter. Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw you and Will were putting up uh, great numbers in the MLB tally site uh, contest today. Um, so shout out to you for that. I just saw a uh, Pistons minus 1.5 Summer League beat that's about to go viral. That's pretty bad. So you guys got to check that out after the show. Uh, but, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at NBA Zach B. And uh, look out for McKee on Thursday with that. Good luck with all your bets this week and let it ride. Basketball, give me, give me, give me.